Hey everyone, it's Drew Munhausen here with a day four recap for Fantastic Fest. Actually got some good rest last night, feeling a lot more energized today. I feel like I can take on the rest of this fest since now we've reached, we're a little over the halfway mark. So um, things, things are looking good right now. Last night we actually had our first secret screening uh, of the event, which that's a, a Fantastic Fest staple. They, it's, it's all it is on the se- the schedule, secret screening. Only a few people involved in the Fantastic Fest organization even know what it is. So there's always rumors and, and things of what it could be or might not be. Uh, to be honest with you, I was very confident that it was going to be Halloween ends. Um, however, once we got into the theater... It is an Alamo draft house, so the server was coming by to to take orders. And uh, I don't remember the exact exchange we had, but she then mentioned that the film was only an hour long. So to keep that in mind when ordering, which of course then just threw all of our preconceived notions out the window, because then we're sitting there going, what, what could it be that's only an hour? You know, is it a TV show or is it, you know, some sort of special or something that we're just not even, you know, aware of at this point. And then uh, I was sitting there with, with Sean Tajapur from Neutropolis. And he said, you know what? I bet that it's werewolf by night, the the MCU special that's supposed to come out before Halloween. I said, Oh man, that's, I mean, that's a pretty good, uh, you know, pretty good thought, but I just thought I can't imagine Marvel, you know, Marvel hasn't participated in this fest before. Like, I, I don't, I couldn't see them doing it. Um, Sure enough, when it comes time for the show to start, uh, the Werewolf by Night logo does come up. So we were all very excited. And uh, this, you know, it's it's only an hour long. It's black and white. And it's really a tribute to kind of the old school B-movie horror, like Universal Monsters. But, I mean, they used practical sets, uh, practical makeup effects. A lot of it was was really well done and considering some of the Marvel stuff and their overuse of CG in a lot of their films and and such, this was just such a breath of fresh air. Uh, You know, I haven't been the highest on some of the most recent Marvel theatrical outings. And I know this is a Disney plus special, but this was still uh, really great and a great segue into the weirder, uh, aspect of Marvel. You know, we know that there's going to be a Blade movie coming out with Mahershala Ali. And, you know, so this is a good entry point into things like werewolves and vampires and so on and so forth. So I don't want to say too much more about it for fear of spoiling and saying too much because the Marvel fandom is, of course, very protective of it and they don't want any spoilers. So that's all I'll say uh, other than, you know, it's really, really good. So that was Werewolf by Night. It is directed by uh, Michael Giacchino, who's you know a well-known composer, done a, and worked with Disney a lot on a lot of their films, uh, doing different scores. And he's starting to make the transition to directing. And this was wonderful. Like after seeing this, I'm all good with them handing the reins of the this weirder angle of Marvel to him. Just let let him run with it because this was really wonderful. So um, prior to that, I was able to see the film Bones and All, which is directed by Luca Guadagnino, who did uh, Call Me By Your Name and the Suspiria remake within the past few years. And now this is his newest outing. It reunites him with Timothy Chalamet um, and also stars Taylor Russell and Mark Rylance. 
and this is a young love story, but it just so happens that the two young lovers happen to be cannibals. Uh, and it sets up kind of a world in which these cannibals exist. And there's almost, it's it's not necessarily supernatural, but there's some things about it that are definitely unique to this movie and the world. But um, <laughs> this movie is so difficult to define. I really enjoyed it. Um, but it's very disturbing, but then also uh, charming, kind of, but also disturbing. You know, you have to remember that it's very disturbing. Not one for the faint of heart, not one to recommend to anybody, uh, you know, any anyone, just anyone. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of Timothy Chalmay fans who go and see this, and maybe <laughs> I don't know if they're going to enjoy what they find uh, based on just how a grotesque it can be at times but you know what else do you expect a fantastic fest i i did enjoy bones and all and then the other movie that i saw was called living with chucky which was a documentary that is directed by kira elise gardner and it really details the the history of the chucky franchise or the child's play franchise i should say um and there's a lot of interviews with people who have been in the movies or who worked on the movies over the years and Kira Elise Gardner herself is relevant because she her her father is Tony Gardner who is a very famous uh, film you know makeup effects artist and puppeteer and so he's has a very extensive filmography but he did come into the Chucky franchise I think with Seed of Chucky and so Kira kind of grew up around Chucky because her dad was working on those movies. And um, so I think she just has a very close connection to the franchise. And I'm actually going to be speaking with Kira uh, and I will put that interview at the end of the show. But I wanted to give a little bit of background about who she is and, and where she comes from, because this documentary goes from being a kind of a history of of the franchise to transitioning in being almost a more sentimental look at the family that has formed through this franchise, which I thought was, was very interesting. And, and Kira actually kind of becomes is, is the filmmaker, but also becomes a character within it once that transition happens. And I think it's very interesting. So I'm, I'm looking forward to speaking to her soon. And uh, that's some background on her. I will put that interview here at the end. Um, but otherwise, it looks like the fest will be kind of calming down a little bit for at least the next day or two. Um, as of right now, it is Monday morning. Um, we, uh, I have a few movies on tap, but there's no, none of the big wide releases today. There's still some small things that I'm going to be catching up on that I've missed over the past few days. We, our next secret screening isn't until Wednesday. And then Thursday, we will round it out with, uh, I'm going to try to see Mr. Organ that day, which is a fun documentary from the director who did a, a documentary, documentary called Tickled, which is a, a, one of the craziest documentaries I've ever seen, to be honest with you. Um, and then uh, Triangle of Sadness, which is that night, which is the Palme d'Or winning uh, film that will be closing out the fest. So there's still plenty more content to come. But yeah, um, we'll... That is it for today. Please enjoy my interview with Kira Elise Gardner, and I'll be back soon. Thanks. Um, well, perfect. Well, first off, congratulations on your film and for being here at Fantastic Vest. Thank you. Um, how has the the response and interaction been so far? 
I was just saying no offense to the other film festivals, but this has been the most <clears throat> fun crowd to watch this film with. So enthusiastic and so engaged. Uh, and also the first time we saw people dress up uh, for this, there was a woman dressed as Tiffany, which was really cool. Mm -hmm. So it's been a really fun experience. So I wanted to ask you, um, the film gets into your relationship with you and your dad. <laughs> but my, my question is, what was it about Chucky? You know, he's worked on a lot of things. What is it about Chucky that really stuck with you? Um, the Child's Play franchise is the one where it was longer than any other movies that my dad would be away for. It was the most time consuming. Like if dad was going off to Chucky, that meant it was several months. It wasn't just a month. Um, and most of the time it wasn't, I wasn't able to go visit him because I was a kid in elementary school or middle school and, uh, it'd be in Romania and Canada. It'd be too far away. So that was kind of like a subset of his career that has consistently come back and been so time consuming, not only for him on set, but in pre-production as well, building it. Well, a seed he had like, he usually gets shortchanged on time anyhow, but you know, that's usually one of the things that he's spending the most time on. Um, so that was kind of the thing that stuck around the longest. And when you set out to make this, I know it started as a, a student project, right? Mm -hmm. How did it evolve? How did it come to be and grow from that? Woo. Um, it, it was honestly the response of the short film taking it to, and the timing has always just been perfect. I don't know. This came out like season two is on the way. And then the short film came out when Cult of Chucky was coming out. So it opened for their film in Toronto and Fright Fest. And the fan response was so positive and I had never experienced that before. It was my first big festival circuit and Everybody was so kind and endearing, and the one critique they had was, why is this so short? And I was like, I was in film school. The time limit was seven minutes. That's all I could do. And I was sitting on eight hours of footage at the time, and I had seen, you know, some episodes here and there of, you know, a Chucky on, like, a horror retrospective show or something like that. But there was really never a one-stop shop for it all. And then I wanted to continue further exploring the family relationships within Chucky itself. So I felt like I was called to action somehow to do it um, from my perspective. So that's kind of how it came to be. It, it worked really well because you get to go through the history, but then it transitions midway through. Did you always know that, I guess, which half were you more interested in telling? Like, you know, there's the history, there's the future. Uh, definitely the second half. <laughs> I was more interested in telling. Um, I was really inspired by this doc we watched in film school called Stories We Tell uh, because they do a really great job of recreational, you should watch it, Ash, uh, <laughs> recreational footage and uh, following somebody's journey. And so I intended to go into the feature length of we know that I'm the filmmaker. Um, and at this point, obviously, everybody knows because I'm on the poster and I'm a one-woman marketing team, along with Ash here, who is my executive producer. Say hi. Hi. <laughs> and um, uh, so I tried to, to pursue it that way because that was the more interesting narrative to me personally. But uh, obviously, Kevin Yeager was the puppeteer for the first four films. And so it was kind of this awkward thing where it was like introducing myself and then kind of quiet because neither myself nor my dad came in until the fourth film. And, and the, that type of thing. Also, there's like not a lot of um, footage from back in the day and, and all that stuff of recreating stuff seemed overwhelming and I didn't want to be not authentic. Like all the home video 
and everything you found is is 100% legitimate, like me as a kid or my dad or um, these shots of the Chinese filmmakers, um, Peter Pao and Ronnie Yu from Bride of Chucky. Actually, there's two shots of them that they're like talking about Bride. And it's actually my dad worked on Warriors of Virtue with them the year after Bride. So I stole two shots of them from that behind the scenes because I am a liar. But uh, so that was the more interesting narrative to me. But I felt like we couldn't talk about the impact of the films and what they meant to people without talking about them themselves. So um, it was it was interesting. I was playing historian as well, which felt odd as somebody who wasn't even alive in 1988. <laughs> so uh, I, 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 it was nice to kind of merge them together. And uh, Fiona's line of like, you can ask your dad seemed like the perfect way to like break the fourth wall and come out of it and be like, hi, I'm in this movie. <laughs> Did you ever have any hesitations with that of putting yourself into it or anything like that like what was the decision making process that went into that yeah um because i was so inspired in film school by that documentary and there's this documentary searching for sugar man mm -hmm. i didn't know that there was um different modes of documentary so there's obviously talking heads with this, which the doc is as well but um there's participatory and i really liked that because as a viewer with adhd i felt more engaged because it felt more personal to the filmmaker as well and so I knew I always wanted to have that approach and it's uh, more heavy-handed in the short film because we had to get right into the family aspect and really not talk about uh, anything of the history of the franchise at all so I knew I wanted that um, and it was kind of just trying to balance when that could happen and if it was going to be the whole time or come in in the third act and so it just like found its way of what it kind of had to be in the editing floor. When you were reaching out to people to be a part of this and I assume a lot of them you've known for a long time. <laughs> what kind of response did you get? Ah, um, it was interesting. Yeah, it's it's weird. I feel like with a lot of people, this is the first time I've been seen as like, oh, Kira's grown up and adult. And some people are like, oh my God, she's going to film school. <laughs> she just went to film school. Um, it was interesting. You know, Lynn Shay, um, my dad did There's Something About Mary. And that's how they met. And I was probably like one at the time. So I never really, I, and I met Lynn when I was around 12 is my first memory of her and she was so lovely but I never really got to sit down and have a conversation with her so that was such a fun side moment full circle thing for me because I love um, Insidious and James Wan movies so getting to go to her house and speak with her and her reaction was like I want to work with you on what you're doing and for me that was a big compliment and just kind of talking about how I fell into filmmaking and not necessarily SFX like my dad but um, still going into the filmmaking process. It was cool to see people who have watched me grow up now enter it, but were kind of from afar now be very close. And um, Dan Povenmire, I think, met my parents in college, which is insane. So that was really cool to meet him. And, and it was all these like little, I don't know if cathartic is the right word, but very cool special moments throughout it. And Marlon Wayans is literally the nicest human being and the most supportive. I like shadowed for a few days on sextuplets and that's how I met him. But my dad had obviously known him a bit longer. And then Marlon was like, oh, you're going into film. You're in film school. And he's like, sit down in my chair, take notes. And it's been this like wonderful situation where Marlon's been so supportive this whole time. It's been so crazy. That's, that's amazing. And I think the rapport that you have with a lot of people comes across oh, in the interviews and what they're willing to share. Did you feel like you were able to get more out of people because of that? Yeah, that's that's why I also kind of wanted to do it as well off of the short, just even with the Chucky family as well of like, I felt like people felt more comfortable 
especially with some interviews at the time because it was a student film uh there's this there's this level of it where people have their guard down I think and then yeah of just knowing people like being and and being able to go to their house and people being comfortable that I'm in their house you know like Lynn I feel like has always had wonderful interviews but I feel like uh it's not in there but she had this wonderful piece about acting and she she was crying because she always cries she said it not me um which was so lovely and um John Waters as well like their relationships with my dad as well using that privilege that I do have uh allowed it to be more candid as well because John's like oh I've known your dad for you know as long as you've been on this planet so come inside you know have you been able to show the film to any of those people you interviewed and and get feedback yeah, um, I it's crazy because everybody for at least for the Chucky family was uh, on season two until literally like two weeks ago, <laughs> so um, a lot of them haven't had time. Don's Don's watched a bit of it and is like, oh my god, I love this. And but he's show running and writing and directing and everything, so he literally I don't even think sleeps. He's just a vampire. <laughs> um, so I'm excited for him to see it. I think he's coming to Scream Fest. So, um, but Christine and Alex were so lovely in their email back of having after watched like having watched it because Alex was also Fiona and I's age when we were in introduced and like put into this world and so his his email was so lovely um as well as like Lynn and um Marlon hasn't seen it because Marlon's always working but uh I'm very excited to see what they will say now that it's kind of the end of the year and the film industry kind of always takes a little hiatus for a few months I'm very excited to see what people say well, I want to talk about your future because you're, you know, the director of this, but I know you've done a lot of behind the scenes work on different projects. What what are you hoping to move into? Are you wanting to do more directing or? Yes, yes. Uh, I do. I would like to not be uh, behind the camera shooting specifically as much. Uh, I would love to pass that off to an actual DP. Uh, but yes, I hope to go into narrative. I'm writing my first narrative horror feature now and I kind of want to escape the documentary genre at least for now can you share anything about what your feature is about oh my gosh yeah uh it's a period piece set in the 1960s and I, I like had to quickly sum it up I think it's Jeepers Creepers meets Dead Silence meets It Follows love it <laughs> that's, everybody's always like my film's this and that and it doesn't really tell you anything but it's um a film that is um centered around toxic masculinity yay perfect <laughs> um i know we don't talk about the remake uh, yes but the... i want to talk about the show and okay. just how much that meant to have chucky come back in that capacity and to be part of it yeah I'm not as as involved with um, the the show uh, per se because they're still in Canada, <laughs> and so I can't like try to PA because I'm not local and and those types of things. But it's been a nice full circle moment of everybody coming back and it's still existing. I when we were filming the doc, um, even the short film, Colts had just come out and they were talking about the TV show. And it was like the very early stages of writing. So it's so cool to be here now and it's out and people are really loving it, uh, which is so awesome. I'm so happy for Don and he gets to explore so many things that he couldn't if it was still just in a movie format and like four years apart. So it's been really cool to watch. Also, my dad, like really this this go around be so invested in what the fans are saying. He like 
he and his team went through YouTube and all those things, looking at people's comments of what they liked about the doll here and this and that, and really tried to implement it. And so it was really cool to be a part of that um, and see it continue on and not only continue on, but be brought to a younger generation. Cause that was the thing while making this too. I was like, I wasn't born in 1988 I re or in 1988 or the eighties. Um, and I never got to experience, you know, going to see a Chucky movie in the theaters, you know, curse and Colt were video on demand seed. I was way too young. Um, and so I was like, I wonder what that would be like. And now people who are my age get to experience that in 2022, which is so awesome and amazing while still satisfying older generations of fans with bringing older characters back into it. I, I did that answer your question. It did. Oh, and okay. It, and it's interesting because I'm in the same age group. So I relate to that with yeah. the big screen. So, um, I was going to ask also, so this is an audio interview, so people don't know. Chucky's literally sitting right next to you and yes. staring at me. Um, <laughs> did you, as a child, was there ever a fear? You know. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, more so with like scarred Chucky, because that's what Seed was. Luckily, like we, I'm like you couldn't have done Curse when I was four, because there's no scarred dolls in that. Oh well, I guess at the end for Curse, but. Um, yeah, there was definitely a fear when I was younger. I referred to Chucky and Tiffany as bad people. And so I almost had CPS called on my parents in preschool because I said bad people are at my house and I just meant that the dolls were at the house. Um, but yes, and then slowly over the years, I got over it. Uh, scarred Chucky stayed more at the shop. And then most of the time I would be seeing this uh, the good guy dolls that are, are very cute and pleasant. And then it kind of became a stuffed animal. And I now I sleep with him on the airplane. <laughs> um, and I know it, I liked that in in the movie that in documentary that he's almost in every interview shot or or one of the the dolls is yes. Yeah. Uh, did you set that up on purpose? Yeah, well, because I was like, I have the access. They're right there. You know, they're in my backyard. I got to bring them. If it was an interview I had to really travel far to do, it would be this good guy doll. But I think in James Janice's, the um, dead meat YouTuber, who is uh, who's more than a YouTuber, James, uh, <laughs> it, and his, he's in L.A., so I brought, like, the more heavier steel-plated uh, silicone dolls so I tried to switch it up, but yeah, those things are way too heavy to travel with. Um, lastly, I, I know we need to wrap up, so I just wanted to ask, where will people be able to see Living with Chucky in the future? That's an excellent question. Um, we are talking about distribution as we speak, so hopefully very soon people will be able to watch it on some sort of streaming platform, as well as um, you know buy it, or especially I know horror fans love their their DVDs, so that that will be fun as well, and hopefully have some fun bonus features on there. Wonderful. Well, congratulations, and thank you for taking the time to speak to me. Thank you, and vice versa.